This old-time radio program was originally aired live, long before the advent of high fidelity. As a result, you may detect an occasional surface noise or volume drop due to transmission problems so common to old radio. We hope, however, that any variance in audio quality will not take away from your pleasure in listening to this, one of the all-time favorite shows. If it is a uppercase communism, then perhaps I can see that you meant Stalinism and Leninism, and, and I can certainly see victims there. I do not cooperate with Gestapo. I do not talk to the Nazis. But a lowercase c is an entire, a lowercase c is a, a philosophy. It's an idea. It's nebulous. It can't hurt anybody. It's an idea. I am not the problem. I am the solution. Um, this is kind of scary because I only realized this a couple of days ago and I've only come out to a few people. I'm a guy. <laughs> Dr. Fauci, give us vaccines. All right, welcome to a Monday episode of Backyard Politics. I'm your never boastful, always humble host. John Smith. If you haven't already, please subscribe to my channel, like and share the video, and of course, click the reminder bell. If you want to help uh, support the show financially, our cash app is Backyard Politics. We can be found on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter at Backyard Pod AZ. We are simulcast on GoodTalkRadio.com. Our audio podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and just about anywhere podcasts can be found. And of course, you can listen to every episode on Say What You Will at Radio.com, and that's where you're going to find our merchandise and our amazing sponsors. In fact, tonight the show is brought to you by Gray Feather Farm and their all-natural skincare products. Emily's is one of Gray Feather Farm's amazing products. And uh, I'll just let you know, I'm approaching 50 years old this September. And uh, well, you know, body aches kind of just come out of nowhere now. I can throw my back out, just get into the shower or jack up my neck hitting the snooze button. <laughs> in the morning on my phone, but Emily's is a cream I use for those quote unquote, I'm getting too damn old aches and pains. I just apply it to my back, shoulders and neck before bed and wake up feeling rested because I actually sleep at night. They are affordable and make amazing gifts. So pay attention, gentlemen, the little lady in your life will be shocked and amazed when you give her these products as a gift. So go to say what you will at radio.com and click on the sponsors page and you'll see the gray feather farm logo there. And uh, check out all their fantastic all-natural skincare products. Now, before we get started, I do want to give a shout-out to Dave the Trucker. Keep safe, my friend. And, of course, it is Magnich Monday. So without further ado, uh, let me bring on Mr. Magnich. How you doing, Tyke? Hey, Jim. I'm doing good. I uh, had a little bit of a technology issue this evening. So sorry I uh, kind of rushed in at the last minute. Dude, you, you can't use that background for me. <laughs> why is that <laughs> did we get some feedback on that background yeah we did yeah but you know what i don't give in i don't give in to the mob you know what i mean i do that's my right. own thing you know that's right yeah so anyway you know, I, uh, yeah go ahead i was i was decrying my technology issues i don't know if anybody has realized it but since the launch of windows 10 um uh, if your pc laptop whatever has uh needs an update 
it will get to a point where it will slowly pick little things and disable them. And eventually it will say, wow, something's wrong. I have to reboot. And you reboot and suddenly you're under, uh, you know, you're getting your updates and you have to sit and wait. And that's basically what happened to me this evening. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah, that happened to me too. That'll slow your whole system down too. Yeah. Yeah, so, so anyways, anyways uh, it looks like your internet's a little slow too tonight. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're happy to hear that. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> um, well, I got a couple of stories I want to talk about with you tonight, uh, uh, tonight, Tyke. Um, there's a story out of azfamily.com and that's Maricopa County won't reuse subpoenaed ballot counters. I want to get to that in just a bit. And, um, there was an article written by Alex over at red state. And it's just basically about the fact that, uh, good grammar using good grammar and expecting good grammar in the classroom is now anti-black racism. So we'll get into that too. Um, and then I also want to talk about an article that was in Yahoo news by Lawrence Hurley. Uh, the, Headline is transgender student wins as U.S. Supreme uh, Court rebuffs the bathroom appeal. I don't know if you read about that today. I did not read that today. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, the NFL put out a video basically saying that football's gay. I'll show you that video. <laughs> Literally. I mean, dude, the world's going insane. <laughs> like... The most, you know, let's just linger on that for a second. The, what should be one of the most masculine, uh, manly sports. I mean, you're really, you're crushing against people. You're building up your body in beyond normal human limits to play, to chase the ball, to play a sport, to fight the battle. Yeah. And just, let's just pull the masculinity right out of it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Whatever. you know, it's. I, I just don't understand why these uh, why these companies have to just invest so much into politics. You know, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know why can't we just watch football? Who cares? Who cares? Right. You know, I, I just well, don't get it. Yeah, but I'll show you that video. That. Just, we can we can get into that later, but I, I'll have plenty to say about that. I'm sure. Yeah. Now, before we get into the story about the Maricopa County ballots, I do want to show a quick video. If you're a Republican. Okay, if I don't care if you're a Republican uh, in office, whether you're national, state, local, whatever, and you get approached by the left wing media, this is exactly how you must or you should treat the left wing media. Check this out. This is Mo Brooks. So you take the bike to work, huh? Sometimes. Congressman, is there any way we can get you to talk about January 6th? I do not do interviews with CNN because I do not trust CNN to be honorable or truthful. Well, can I ask you, do you still believe I've Antifa already, was behind I've January 6th? i said what I'm going to say. I don't trust you all to be truthful or honest. Well, can you tell us if you regret what you said on January 6th? I do 6th? not trust CNN to be truthful or honest, so I do I, no Well, I'm just asking you CNN. questions. I'm asking you fair questions here, sir. Why can't you answer the question? I do not trust you all to be truthful or honest what? with anything it's CNN on, does. It's on video. If you can just talk to us for a moment. Oh, you guys will lie through your teeth any chance you get. Well, give you the chance to come on if you don't mind. That's how it's done right there. That's awesome. That's, that that's was, the that way. Was, yeah, that that yeah, is the way that I, every Republican should treat should treat the press. I don't care 
I, I don't care. I mean, even here, like uh, locally in Arizona or over in Arkansas, <clears throat> if you're a Republican and a conservative and you're doing what is right and what is best for the Constitution, what is best for the country as a whole, you just need to shut these people down. That's it. Yeah. Bottom line. And you did such an amazing job. You, you people, you see people try to do that sometimes, and they get goaded into answering one question, and they get, yeah. they, they, you know, they just start pushing the buttons, and they push that right button, and they start, and then they get drawn in, and he just he stuck to his line, and he kept going. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, he he wasn't giving in at all, you know. And, and, and you know, I'm going to point out something else, maybe a little hidden gem in that uh, little video there. Uh, Pete Budovich, the um, Secretary of Transportation, was recently caught on video. He keeps talking about how eco-friendly he is and green he is, and he rides his bike to work every day. And he was recently caught on video um, being dropped off by an SUV. He takes his bike out, and then he rides it like half a block to where he's going uh, after he gets out of this big, huge, gas-burning black SUV. This guy actually got on his bike, and he probably, uh, I think he probably rode home. <laughs> yeah it, so i i saw that earlier today and i was like yeah this is freaking fantastic this yeah, is, is this awesome. is the best so yeah. <laughs> i want to see more of that and i hope mo brooks like starts a trend you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah yeah hopefully yeah hopefully other republicans and uh you know other politicians in general just pick up on that and they just start shutting out because at the end of the day he's right think about what he's saying they have so so lied they've clipped videos they've deliberately misquoted people they've made up stories they've flat out made up stories to sell news even though the ratings are absolutely in the tank at one point nickelodeon the kids channel had had better ratings than cnn they'll just make stuff up they think they're just doubling down on this you know dumpster fire that they are right. and you know in, in any interview, um, I can't remember who it was recently, did an interview with them, and they literally just chopped it up and made it sound like this person said, like, horrible things that they had actually never never said. They just edited it to say what they wanted to. Um, Tyke, I'm going I'm, I'm to ask, uh, I wonder if, if you were to close your video, do you think you're, because your audio is really choppy, really choppy. Oh, crap. All right, I tell you what, let me... Let me try. I will unplug the camera. Oh. Looks like I lost them completely. Maybe when you unplugged your camera, you may have unplugged your audio too. You there? All right. I think I'm back. Okay, good. Yeah, you're much better. Your audio sounds much better. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, this is... Um one of the limitations of living in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. I, I just want people to be able to understand what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, no way. I've never been understood. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Agri conservative says, so should Trump do it? Uh, if he, if he runs for president in 2024. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's Jim Acosta. There's nothing better than shutting that guy down. Cause Oh geez, I'm I'm I got like a serious uh, belching going on here. I got to calm down. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, Jim Acosta is a clown. He has he's has no interest in the truth or actual journalism. He's a gotcha guy. 
He's just yeah. like Brom Resnick. Uh, Brom Resnick is a gotcha guy here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and so is that other guy. Uh, what the heck is his name? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but these two journalists around uh, uh, here in Arizona, they're always trying to interview Republicans and it's always a gotcha. You know, that's 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 yeah. who he is. And that's just the way it is. And, and, and they're not about telling the truth. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's part of our culture today. Right. Everybody. I mean, social media has pressed this culture of. Um, you know, tricking people into thinking they're you're saying one thing, but really you're saying something else. I mean, and and to be honest, at at the social media level, conservatives will do it sometimes too. Um, I've seen a lot of conservative videos where they'll go on the college campuses and say, use all these Kamala Harris quotes or Joe Biden quotes, and say, well, you know, what do you think if Trump said this? Would he, you know, what do you think this Trump policy? They get the people to say they're horrible, they, they hate Trump. And they say, oh, by the way, that was Kamala Harris. So now, granted, <laughs> that's not the mainstream media. We don't have that in the mainstream media. We don't have that media powerhouse that's, that's you know. No, and that's that. one thing. You know, it's like it's one thing, I think, to go to like someone who's a diehard Democrat voter, because that's just going to show you that these people don't know what they're talking about. It's the yeah. general public is just they're clueless. They don't pay attention, but uh, they're so loyal to their party, but they have no idea what their party or the other party stand for. But what I'm talking about is like when when CNN or MSNBC or any one of these, uh, you know, whatever liberal you know news channels, they go out and they confront one of the people, one of the uh, elected officials, I should say. Yeah. And they try to uh, get them to trip up on their words. They they specifically ask questions that regardless of the answer is going to look bad and they know what they're asking. They have it all planned out and they don't do it to the other side. And these people yeah. don't, you know, like when these conservatives or these like uh, uh, people go out on the streets and they do this, that's their intention. They're not hiding that. They're not coming on and saying that they are uh, unbiased journalists. They're yeah. specifically yeah. going out onto the street to do that. And, you know, Jim Acosta and all these other left wing idiots, they act like they are, you know, they're middle of the road, unbiased. We're just this is just journalism. And it's not. It's pushing the narrative of the left wing hidden behind journalism. And that's yeah, where it's exactly. so disingenuous and it's so frustrating. Yeah. And the sad thing is, you know, people have depended on these mainstream media outlets uh, like CNN to, to bring them the news. And, and, you know, there's a whole generation of people, I would say people that are our age and older really remember when CNN actually was a news organization and they can't mm -hmm. shake that, you know, they can't shake that trust they have. And there's a whole segment of people that just, they just believe them. Well, you know, hey, uh, Jim Acosta said it. It's on CNN. How could CNN say something wrong? They'd be sued. They, and they're, they're willfully blind to the fact that this is no longer news. This is propaganda. It's just yeah, flat for out sure. Propaganda. Yeah. It is. And it's, it's extremely frustrating, but that's how, and the reason I played that video is because that's how the Republicans have to respond. They just have to say, I don't trust you. You're, you're not going to tell the truth. You have a great day and just ride off, ride yeah. off in the sunset on your bicycle or whatever you're driving <laughs> or just simply walk away, you know, yeah. because that's what they need to do. And that's, and I just love to watch that because that should be a lesson for everybody. 
inside the beltway or, uh, you know, even local and state politicians. So agreed. Absolutely agree. Uh, Todd Baker says it's 110 degrees here. <laughs> I don't know where here is Todd. I don't know where you're from, but that's what it's like here in Phoenix as well. And it's boiling. I'm, uh, I'm ready for the monsoons to come in and cool everything down a little bit. Uh, Renee says, yeah, CNN has nothing to talk about, but critical race theory and Trump and uh, people are getting sick and tired of the crap. Exactly right. They are. They are. And they're, we're just not buying it anymore. And, uh, you know, I've been talking lately on the show about parents that are going to these teacher uh, conferences, you know, these uh, or the education board, whatever the school board, and they're just ripping into these people, man. And they're just not yeah. holding back. And these school yeah. boards are trying to shut them up, but they don't have the constitutional right to do that because they are a government entity. And they need to be, regardless of how people talk to them, they just need to shut up and listen. You know, I, I John, I think about, um, you know, to, to quote a biblical verse here, when Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, he rises to be the second in command of Egypt because of the coming past, the coming famine. His brothers eventually have to come to him, not knowing it's him, and ask him if they could buy food, Right. When he finally reveals that he's Joseph, their youngest, their younger brother, and the famous, uh, the famous Bible verse, this quote is, you know, they're scared because they they're afraid he's going to rail on them and you know just take it out on them. He says, "What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now we can save Israel right through this. What Satan has meant for evil in the form of the coronavirus and the form of the shutdowns." And the form of the tyranny that has come out of it, we are getting some good out of this. Mm-hmm. Parents are paying attention like never before. Parents right. are paying attention to what their kids are actually being taught. They're starting to see and hear things that upset them, and you know they're starting to realize why we have the lowest, uh, you know, math and science scores in the world because they're not teaching them math and science. They're teaching them critical race theory. They're teaching them uh, gender politics. And I, I think right. maybe one of the silver linings out of all this insanity is people are waking up and really starting to fight back. And I, I think I that's a, a good takeaway. And I think they've been asleep far too long uh, as far as the conservative side, because while we have been either asleep or watching the federal, like the national politics scene, uh, they've been rampant rampantly taken over the local politics scene. And uh, I think we've uh, we've kind of woken up to that. So I hope it's not too late. I hope that these uh, next elections uh, on the state and local level go conservative. And I hope the national does as well. I hope we take the House back and the Senate. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm yeah. I'm 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 uh, kind of optimistic about it. So we'll see what happens. Now, I want to talk about Maricopa County. Uh, they decided that they're not going to reuse the ballot counters that were subpoenaed uh, by, uh, you know, to do this audit. So it's interesting because now they're talking about, I don't know, $6.1 million worth of uh, ballot counters that they're refusing to use. And it's funny. Listen to this story. Mary uh, Maricopa County. That's of course here in Arizona. That's where the audits taken place. The official said Monday, they're never again using voting machines turned over to contractors hired by Arizona Senate Republicans to audit the 2020 election. 
The county's Republican-controlled board of supervisors responded to Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who said in May that she would seek to decertify the machines because the county lost control of them and doesn't know what was done with them. She said she has grave concerns regarding the security and integrity of these machines. Now, so what she's trying to do is she's trying to say that now that that the Republicans subpoenaed these machines and have been counting all the ballots that were, you know, making sure that these machines are right and that they're counting the ballots and all this type of stuff. Now she's worried about the integrity of the machines, but she's not at all concerned whatsoever about the machines during the 2020 election that miscounted. Yeah, most secure election in history, right? I mean, until you don't want it to be, until suddenly you want to, you know, turn the tables. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, They go on to say the board shares your concerns. County attorney Joseph LaRue wrote to Hobbs. Oh, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Uh, Senate Republicans issued a subpoena earlier this year demanding the county turn over the vote tabulation equipment along with the ballots and a variety of other records. We know the story. Uh, So it's so hilarious. I want to bring up this this picture if if I downloaded it. Let me see. I think, yeah, here we go. So this is a tweet by the Maricopa County. Okay, you can see it's got the blue check mark. It says Maricopa County will never use compromised equipment that could pose a risk to free and fair elections. As a result, the county will not use the tabulation equipment subpoenaed by the Arizona state in any future elections. Now, it's funny because I hate to break it to everybody over there at Maricopa County, but the equipment was already compromised. So you've already used compromised equipment in the 2020 election. Come on. Yeah. Yep. And they're just trying to, they're just trying to shade, throw shade, throw doubt that, you know, well, the, the, the audit was, they're going to, the next thing is, well, the audit, what auditors were biased and the auditors were, you know, we we don't know what they did with the machines, and it's just ridiculous. Ugh. It's unbelievable, dude. It's it's it just flies in the face of it, like you know. Come on, yeah. Uh, that's funny. That's the Democrats for you, says Renee. Exactly. And welcome to the show, Renee. I don't know. I, I think you're new to the show. I don't remember you being here. So welcome to uh, Backyard Politics, and thanks for tuning in. I hope you've. Uh, uh, subscribe to the channel and uh, share the videos around. It uh, it'll help us grow for sure. Uh, Todd Baker says save five dollars and then they tax you fifteen. Yeah, that's how the government works right now. Yeah. Wait till our kids have to pay back this debt if they ever do. Who knows? They're already trying to erase uh, student loan debt, so I guess debt really doesn't exist. I guess it's kind of fake. I don't know. I can't yeah. figure that one out. Yeah, and conservative, you're right. They're trying to reverse the look on it. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Mm-hmm for how many months have they been saying this is the most secure election ever? This is the most, and now they're, Oh, well, the machines are compromised. The machines are compromised. They're just trying to get ahead of the story. They're going to try to control the narrative and invalidate the audit. And that's all the Republicans are trying to do is prove that the machines were compromised. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. But they're going to say, yeah, if you don't know what the definition of gaslighting is, this tweet yes this this tweet is quintessential gaslighting so there you go i just found that unbelievably hilarious so uh let's see i want to move on to alex at red state 
uh, he wrote this article, and this is what the uh, the title of the today's episode is actually about. Uh, he says college symposium raises uh, the anti-black racism of good grammar. So if you're if teachers are expecting this, their students to use good grammar both in you know speaking in class and writing in class, well, that's racist apparently. Uh, the article says, do you speak the grammatically correct language of white supremacy or are you or are you better than that? At Maryland, uh, Maryland's Townsend University recently, a virtual conference ripped the racism of rightful words. June 17th anti-racist uh, pedagogy, I guess that's how you say it, symposium sought to shed light on selecting syllables. Associate Professor of Language, Literacy, and English Education, her name is April Baker Bell of Michigan State University, insisted teachers' enforcement of standard English rules is an assault on black language. Now listen, Tyke, you and I, uh, you went to uh, the uh, that little school over there in Columbus. Yeah. I went to Penn the State Ohio University. State. Yeah. The Ohio State University, sir. That's correct. I went to the Penn State University over there in Happy Valley. But when I was in school, I was I was probably I want to say a, a junior and I was taking some sociology classes and stuff like that. And that's when the term what was it called? E ebonics. Uh, ebonics. There yeah. you go. That's when the term ebonics uh, came about. And uh, that was of course the black language. Right. They referred to it as Ebonics and Penn State University was way ahead of the curve. We're talking 1991, 92. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about this and they were, you know, uh, and they were saying that we have to learn to accept improper English or Ebonics or whatever. They, they didn't refer to it as the black language, although it was spoken. It was originally originated, I, I understand, in Oakland. California, if I recall. Now, I'm trying to pull this from 30 years ago. So I think it was either Compton or Oakland or something like that. Uh, yeah, it was the language that they had kind of evolved in the ghetto. Um, it was colloquial. Mm -hmm. It was colloquialism. I mean, of course, you know, this is long before the Internet and people didn't, you know, you didn't share recipes across the Internet. And you didn't have a lot of exposure to Southern culture versus Northern culture. And there were actually differences in the country. And they they were taking the and you're right it came out of it came out of California mostly but then they mm -hmm. had you know different flavors in New York City basically any of the uh, core areas and big cities they had their own kind of language but I mean quite frankly any area you go to there's some accents there's word different words and they kind of amplified it and said oh this is a new language and they started teaching it in schools. Right. Yeah. In fact, they were teaching it in schools. And that's when they started pushing the whole narrative that the uh, uh, the ACTs and the SC, whatever they are, SATs and everything were actually, uh, you know, they were kind of racist tests and they were made uh, to hold, you know, people of color yeah. from getting into colleges and stuff because they're just, you know, I, the SAT I, I was racist believe, because. Yeah. And I can't believe that. By the way, is my audio still okay? Yeah, it's a little crackly. It's a little crackly, but it's it's better than it was with when you had the video right. rolling. I'll try not to talk too much tonight, then. But I'll tell you <laughs> what: I can't believe that the uh, the liberals, especially the people 
that are actually being harmed by these policies, which are the lower income uh, people of color communities, I can't believe they don't see what a Trojan horse this is. This is racism at its very core. This is racism wrapped in this beautiful package of, oh, we hear you. We're, we're going to break down white supremacy. We're going to break down the language barrier. No, you're going to uneducate people. You're going to degrade their education. You're going to limit the opportunities they have. Because I'll tell you what, I, I can't imagine many corporations taking someone that speaks Ebonics and saying, hey, will you write my uh, user manual? Um, will you... Will you uh, present the, my million-dollar idea to the board of directors? I, who's going to do that? Who's going to take that opportunity to say, at a corporate level, we're going to adopt Ebonics as our as one of our you know uh, business languages? Right. And so, what are they doing? They're they're literally dumbing these people down and calling it good. They're taking evil and calling it good. They're they're hurting these people. And saying, look what great things we're doing. But this is how the Democrats work. It, it's, it's a big facade. It's a big facade that they are the they are the party of the people, the party of the little man, and they are not. It's all a Trojan horse facade. Yeah, it, it is. It totally is. Uh, let's see. I just want to read some of the comments. Um, let's see. Uh, survival, don't worry about being late. I'm just glad you're here. Absolutely, 100%, man. I hope you're doing well. Uh, the t the Joker's in the room, and he says they're blind to it. And they are blind to it. I mean, parents are blind to it. Parents got to wake up. They got to wake up, and they need to get involved in this. Uh, Black Spring with Autumn is here. Uh, she's awesome. I've been watching a lot of her videos lately. She's fantastic. I was driving home from, well, I was in between Albuquerque and... Uh, a little town in New Mexico called truth or consequences. And I was just riding along and happened to come across uh, her, uh, the alert popped up and I was listening to her uh, discussion yesterday. It was fantastic. So check out her, uh, her YouTube channel. It's called black spring with autumn. Check it out. And, uh, um, if somebody that has a wrench wants to go in and find it and post the link in the chat, uh, I would appreciate it. That'd be amazing. Uh, Jennifer says, you know what I find funny people of color isn't, white a color just saying what well, is and you know what's crazy too jennifer is back in the day uh they used to refer to uh, black americans as colored people and that now has become extremely offensive you can't say a colored person but you can switch it and say person of color colored person bad person of color good tell me that makes any sense I mean, uh, it's just hard to keep up with the left. It, it really, because they, they just change their minds and they change the rules every day. Uh, angry conservative says, John and Tyke, do you think that they're trying, uh, for all the whites to go after the minorities in this country? You know, I, th they're creating a race war is what yep. they're doing. Angry conservative. They're trying to drive a wedge between anybody and everybody. They just want a race war. They want us to be at each other's throats so that we're focused on that type of crap instead of watching what Washington, D.C. and the, the scumbags on Capitol Hill are doing, because that's really the big crime. What they're doing and the, the laws they're writing and the things that they're doing over there is corrupt as hell, and it's been for a long time. And if you're not paying attention to what they're doing over there and you're only paying attention to arguing with someone because they're, they're a different race, then they got, they got you. 
Now they can get away with whatever they want to get away with. And you never, we're just not paying attention, you know? Uh, let's see. Uh, survival says my dog is trans now. I got educated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did a show Friday night and there was actually a uh, trans feminist. I never heard of that word, but a trans feminist that said it is uh, racist or no, I'm sorry. It's wrong. Not racist. It's just wrong and mean to uh, assign a gender to your pet. So, oh my gosh. yeah, this is, people, this is what's going on. These people are nuts. I mean, this is crazy. This, I mean, the way yeah. like, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, if anybody would have said any of these quotes, we would have all laughed and said, that's, that's really some really strange humor you got there. Yeah. yeah. That's some absurd stuff. Now this is, this is reality. These are the leading thinkers of our time. You know, I think that's why Noah believed God when God told him to build the ark because he was going to wipe out the planet. I think Noah was like, I get it, man. I'll start building it today. Yeah, right. You know, I don't think it was a big... <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, so Todd says, hello to survival. Uh, yeah, uh, Black Spring with Autumn says, glad to catch you. Of course. Yeah, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, let's see uh, what else we got here. I'm trying there. A lot of people are just saying hi to each other. You know, that happens. Uh, let's see. Todd Baker says, how do you like the weather? Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Todd, where are you? He's are up you in, in Washington. Washington. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Survival says the weather is extremely gay in my area. I don't know if he meant gay or gray, but either way, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> angry conservative posted the link uh to uh her page so there you go so you'll be able to click that link and uh so subscribe to her channel and uh share her videos too and check it out you know click the you know always click the reminder bell all right let's see um oh it's oh gay a new color <laughs> this is the they're on fire tonight uh, the Tide Joker says uh, it's the voices from them on the news that's brainwashing everyone. Yeah, I'm just telling you. Uh, Jennifer Myers, I'm kidding. It was 108 in Washington State today. He has no air conditioning. Oh, man, dude. That's good. We need to start a GoFundMe for survival. Get him an yeah. air conditioning unit. <laughs> that's All right, let me keep uh, reading on the uh, – let me let me keep talking about the, uh, the article that we're talking about. Uh, furthermore, per campus reform – she, and we're going back to April Baker Bell uh, up there at Michigan State, uh, she indicated black Americans bear a burden of racist violence. So we got a call coming in. Oh, it's... Hold on one second there. Give me one second. I think I missed her call. Hold on. Oh, hold on. All right, Autumn, one second there. All right, go ahead. You're on Backyard Politics with John and Tyke. Hi, this is this is Autumn. Yes, this is Black Spring with Autumn. How are you? Hey, I'm doing awesome. How are you? Doing well enough. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, What got you to call in tonight, Autumn? Well, you know, I was just looking at your. I think I, I caught maybe the end of the the question, maybe that you were asking about the uh, the PO, the the POC or or these these uh the wordsmithing that you know that the left seems to get into it's just it's just exhausting i i to me they don't really define anything they don't go down to just the 
the baseline of what they're of what they are trying to create an argument for. I guess to me, you know, what what is color? I mean, I think we're all if you look at color, even the people at Lowe's or or Walmart or Sarah Williams can tell you that there's a spectrum of color, and <laughs> and we all fall into we can fall in between any of those shades. So it's just it's just really it's dismal the amount of uh, amount of race and the amount of just the attacks that that we're going through as as a nation as a human race the human race is the critical race and it's and it's just I I cannot stand it I cannot stand it I mean I don't per se title myself as a black conservative I'd say I'm an American who happens to be black because I consider black being a a bit of an alias or, or, or a mechanism of control at this point. So I don't Amen. really want to put those kinds of caps on the front of, of who I am or, or the way that I think. I think the thought is much more important than than what they're pushing. But they're pushing division. And for those that didn't have a problem with black, they're going to have a problem with black because they're creating the racism. They're creating right. the racism. And, and I just, had to chime in there. No, and that is such an important point that you make because that is facts. I mean, critical race theory, and I we've been talking a lot about this lately, and I did a special, or actually did an episode on critical race theory back in October uh, before it was kind of even being talked about. And uh, when I was reading this article, it was an article that was in, um, damn, I can't remember the uh, the. The publication, but they really figured it out. I mean, when they were talking about uh, equity versus equality, and they were explaining the difference, and uh, it's it's absolutely insane. And they are literally teaching our young people uh, either if if you happen to be an American black person, you're a victim. You're automatically, no matter what you do, you're the victim. And if you're white, you're the oppressor. And you have no choice. It doesn't make a difference. And every decision you make, every friendship you have, every relationship you have, every experience you've ever had in your entire life has been based on racism. And that's just insane. And uh, it's a poison. So let me ask you this, Autumn. When did you, uh, when did you realize you were a conservative? I, I want to. I kind of want to hear your backstory. Well, I guess. I guess I can say I've always been a bit of a, I, I've always kind of been a, a doubt, for the lack of a better word, a loner, so to speak. I've always done my own thing and I've kind of gone, I guess I've kind of gone against what, what maybe the, you know, the, the popular thing, but to me, I wasn't going against, you know, any, anyone or any idea. It was just, I was just doing what I wanted to do, or I was just responding to whatever spoke to me, even at an early age. But I, you know, and I don't come from a, a political family per se, but many of the things that the thing about I, I noticed growing up that most people who identify as either black or African-American, they speak, they speak quite conservatively. Their ideas are quite rooted in, in mm. conservative and more of a conservative value. But there's an emotional, an emotional hitching that says go to the democrats because they are going to they are for the people they've always you know that 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 appeal to to blacks i have not i I don't think i've always understood it but it seems like you know maybe that's what was going on you know just by observation when i was a kid but i never 
I was never really a part of the process. I never went to the polls with parents or, you know, they would always talk in a pretty much disparaging way of the, quote, leaders of the black community, if you will, the Sharptons, the, the Jesse Jacksons. They never had respect for any of these personalities. But And that's the irony of it. You know, I, like you guys have total disdain for these personalities, yet I would imagine that you're voting for the people that they, you're voting for that party, I would imagine. So I, that's that. But for, as for me, I've always been curious as to why my values actually lined up more with conservatives or Republicans even growing up. Because I'm like, I, I totally believe in what, what they're saying on this side. And, um, you know, I, I started, you know, doing my own investigation and I, Pre pre twenty sixteen, I was uh, pretty much pretty sure that, that that I was conservative then. So I don't quite consider myself a true red pillar. I guess red pilling doesn't uh, you don't necessarily have a a pre red pilling uh, a pre preschool or pre college uh, red pilling. You just to me, I think I was going with what spoke to me the most and what was most consistent with what I believed in. So I, I found that I stepped into it with you know, with enough ease that it was that I wanted to learn more and to then to defend that where available, where necessary. That's right. And, um, yeah, that's awesome. Real, real quick, you'd mentioned like um, Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and those characters, and they were supposed to carry the torch for Martin Luther King Jr. And they did everything so but. I mean, they, so they took and they, yeah, they corrupted his message. They turned his message completely on its head, and yet they still said, you know, they still would say that we, you know, we've got to remember Martin Luther King Jr. We've got, and then they would preach the opposite of what he preached. And I I never understood that. And I I never understood why uh, so many people of color would follow him. And then I kind of woke up one day and realized that what he did, what the people that were marching with Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton were paid operatives. And so if you turned on the TV and you were a black American and you saw Jesse Jackson linking arms with these people and walking down the street, you almost felt like that was something that you were supposed to belong to. Am I wrong on that? Well, I would, I I would think, I, I think, that you're onto something that I call, you know, a bit of a bait and switch or just, just a deception or just, a, just to me, more of a, a race hustler. You know, I think that they go in, you know, with, you know, they go in with, with everything. They want to appear to be unified, to have a message and that they, and that there's a way forward. And then what they get, they're actually just making, you know, making a way for themselves, keeping themselves in business. And that's, you know, I think that's another philosophy that I've heard of that was it a Booker T. Washington that quoted, I'm, this might be misquoted, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that there was a third class of, of blacks that made an actual, there was an actual business or they benefited from the, from the Negro at the time right. in, in that language, from the struggle or from the, or from the, just the, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of, yeah. of, of blacks. So I think that it's just been, that's what it's been. That's what it was for them. And, um, and they, and they sold it. They, I think they sold it as long as they could. And, um, and they, to me, we're, we're watching a generation amongst, I think this BLM crowd and more are just a, 
a repackaging of 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 those leaders. Those are your new Sharpens and your your Jamel Hills and your and your and and this ex BLM coolers and all these people. These people are are going to be a part of. I think the next, the new version of history, because I think they are rewriting history. Um, wow. Awesome. So I think these are, these are going to be the people that are, that are going to be talked about in the future and who, and who will stand up then and say, Hey, that's not exactly how that went. Cause I, even for the civil rights for me, I can imagine that the civil rights, if the civil rights was tainted at all, like it is, if the media controlled the civil rights or the media during the time of the civil rights, the way that they've controlled the narrative during this time of BLM and all the other race hustlers, then to me, I, I question all of that. I question the authenticity of all of that. Wow. Yeah, I, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, these people have profited from victimhood, from selling victimhood, from selling racial tension, from selling a narrative that is decades old. And they profit. They keep themselves in the limelight, in power. They're funding generations of their families through these lies and, and through this promoting racial tension, promoting racism from their side of the from their side of the perspective. And that, that's how they've made the brand. And, you know, it's it's the, it's the critical human nature, right? It's the human nature we all have seen. And some of us sell ourselves out for money. And that's what these people are doing for money and power. They're selling themselves out and they're selling out the people that are supposed to be their community. They've undermined and basically completely sold that community out for their own profit. Um, you know, it's like the BLM woman that founded BLM and is now, I I think they drummed her out, but you know, she owns three mansions now, so she got what she wanted. (laughs) Right. It's the same story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, you know, I'm, I I think that, you know, at at this point, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, uh, if, if we can, if, if anybody, if it's waking up, I I try not to use the phrase anymore because I think we're beyond, we're beyond the wake up stage. I think it's going to be individuals or, your, or allies with those that are that are like-minded at this point. Right. So that's that's it. I, I I really appreciate you for taking the call, and uh, I'm yeah. I'm enjoying the show. And uh, yes. Well, let me I'll, I'll let me back. end with this, Autumn. Um, thank. First of all, thank you for calling in. Uh, I am, uh, it's, it's an, an honor to speak with you. So I'm I'm very excited that you called in. But I do want to say this, and this is something that. This is the message, the whole message behind backyard politics, Autumn, is the fact that we need as conservatives, as Republicans, as Christians, as whatever, whatever, you know, label you want to put on us, constitutionalists, we need to get involved in the politics and our own backyard. We've got to stop focusing 100 percent of our attention on the national political scene, because while we're doing that, we've kept our eyes closed to what's going on in our own backyard. And the left had a tremendous ground game and the left sent their ground game in and have taken over the school boards across this country. They have taken over uh, the house of representatives in just about every state. Now they not governors, you know, we've been able to keep governors for 
whatever reason, I don't know. I don't know how that's happened, but we've got to get back involved and stay focused on what's going on in our school boards, what's going on at our city council, what's going on at our state legislature level. And even the local media, they don't even talk about what's going on because the media, they share their information uh, quietly, underhandedly to the leftists, the little army out there that's trying to take over uh, all of our local politics. And they don't talk about, you can turn on your local TV anytime you want to watch the local news. They'll talk about shootings that happen locally. They'll talk about uh, car accidents, fires, all this other stuff, the weather. They never talk about what's going on in your local legislature. And they, that's by design. So we have to do, like you said, we've got to educate ourselves. We've got to do our own homework and we've got to get active in our own communities. And this is something that I've been preaching now for the past several months, and I'm going to continue to preach it because it's the solution. Oh, I got a, uh, another call coming in. Uh, let me uh, put you on hold a second. While you're doing that, John, I just want to say uh, thank you to Black Springs for calling in. That was, uh, that was very insightful. Uh, love to hear, love to hear everybody's perspectives, especially um, some new perspectives coming from people that are right. We got a uh, a second caller on the line. Go ahead, caller. Uh, what did you call in for? Hello. Yes. Go ahead. Me? Yeah. What's up, that guy? It's Rex. Hey, Rex, my brother. What's going on? Uh, much. Uh, just listening to the conversation to figure maybe chime in a little bit. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Yeah. So it's like a. Uh, with this whole resurgence of BLM and it's like, I totally understand it's, it's exactly what it is. It's a resurgence. You know, they're trying again, they're trying to push it again. The Marxism, the socialism leading the communism. But then I also see another shift with, um, I don't know how many articles that I've read recently that have showcased, that the younger generations are actually starting to lean more to the conservative side. I agree. And I've heard that too, Rex, and I've heard it across the spectrum. And I'm talking, uh, I'm talking, uh, you know, your Latino folks, your black folks, your younger white folks, even, I mean, across the entire spectrum, this younger generation is not woke. They're waking up. Right. Right, and that is very surprising to me, for for my opinion anyway. It's very surprising because it seems like the media and the mainstream. Well, I mean, I'll put it into perspective because when I think about the current day, what they call a, a Democrat or the Dems or a liberal, they're not really liberal anymore. Which you know, I've alluded to in the past is I think the Democratic Party has more and has become a more progressive or socialist communist party. And that's what is very surprising to me that I see something like, wait, what are you talking about? Gen Z is going conservative. What? How did that happen? Right. When everything the media is telling us is the exact opposite, but we see it in, you know, there's a lot of videos and a lot of live streams that are coming out of these very young kids going against the school board, going against CRT, which, it does give me a little bit of hope, but I think we need to see a lot more of that. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's funny because I think in the past, I think one of the things that uh, the media did very well uh, was they would go in 
and they would report on some like even a local media would go into like a school board meeting and they would come out there with their own narrative. And that's what they wrote in the local paper and they, or they didn't cover it at all. And parents just weren't involved. But now with social media, now with uh, everybody having a video camera and uh, audio, whatever, you know, they can record anything on their phones. Mm -hmm. So we're actually seeing now because they put it out on their Facebook page. They put it out on YouTube and Twitter and everything else, TikTok. And we're actually seeing what's taking place across the country. And I think younger people are waking up and they're seeing the generation prior to them just being mind numbed, not being able to think for themselves, just just following this crazy narrative. And they're like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that generation. I want to be able to be a free thinker. I want to be able to make up my own mind. I want to be educated, not indoctrinated. And that is a a beautiful, wonderful thing. And and I think, think, yeah, go ahead. um, No, I was just going to say, that's where I was going to ask, ask backyard. Like, where do you see the shift? Because I realized there's a shift and as plainly as I can see it, is what generation of parents is like where where that shift occurred. Because when I was growing up, I, I mean, granted, I'm adopted. My parents were older. And it's like when I was raised in the 90s, I grew up in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And my parents were older. So I'm trying to figure out like what generation of parents are raising or have raised the troublemakers, what well, there's always been troublemakers, right? But mm-hmm. I think we can acknowledge what segment of parents that became like the best friends. Because you had that second that segment of parents that don't want to be parents; they want to be seen as the cool, like yeah. best friend of their kid. And they're they're not really raising them as parents; they're raising them to be the best friends, which is why we have these adolescents. And also, I mean, you can bring in you know the um, the absence the um the absence the a- father yeah. from the household spanning, oh yeah spanning across race and whatever religion whatever you want to call it so i mean that's my question is where did parents i think really uh that's a fantastic generation yeah that's a fantastic question i would say probably the parents uh that were raised throughout the 70s maybe the, like the late 60s throughout the 70s then so was that generation x no i think that would so have been before i think that would have been maybe the boomers maybe yeah, or the, the early end. gen x yeah maybe tail the, end of the boomers um, yeah the tail end of the boomers the early gen xers yeah. and because the, the 70s that. rex uh, you know, you weren't around then, but back in the seventies, you know, late sixties and seventies is when we had all the hippies and, uh, and, and all that type of crap. And then, uh, the Vietnam war was ending and, uh, you know, it was just a weird time. And I think they, they were all hip and cool and wanted to be, you know, buddy, you know, like I want to be my son's best friend type of thing. And then yeah. the eighties, it was like no discipline. There was none, no discipline whatsoever. It was all like free love. Took a back seat. Yeah, exactly. And then in the eighties, when, when Reagan came in and I was fortunate enough and Tyke was too, we went to school. Uh, well, I'm a probably a little bit older than Tyke, but we yeah, went to school all through the eighties and we saw Reagan come in and he held people accountable. 
Reagan wasn't perfect by any means. Don't get me wrong. He was a fantastic president. He wasn't perfect. But the my generation, we knew that hard work paid off. We knew that ingenuity in this country could make a difference. I mean, from going from the mid-70s to the mid-80s, our country excelled like 100 years. We went rapidly excelled because um, – Reagan believed in hard work and Reagan believed in trickle down economics. And I believe in trickle down economics. I think if people succeed, they want to hire people. They want to build businesses. They want their wealth to trickle down to more people. And I believe that. And, uh, you know, we knew that. And so we raised our kids, at least my wife and I did. And a lot of people in my generation, people that I went to school with, we raised our kids with, uh, you know, you're not going to get the trophy. Right. That was crazy. Uh, like, and and I think I think there was a cultural yeah. clash. Um, when you think about anybody that sets an extreme and normalizes an extreme, and, and just keying into what you said, John, participation trophies—that's an extreme. Everybody wins. Everybody's special. Well, let me quote the the Disney movie Incredibles or Pixar movie Incredibles: "When everybody's special, nobody's special." Right. <laughs> um, so when when that when that extreme became a norm, I think there's a whole segment of the population that was in their young adulthood and you know, going yeah. into marriage and having kids that saw that and said, "This is I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go to the other side." It repelled a portion hey, of the population. Let me interrupt real quick. If you're yeah, listening can, to I, the uh, okay. GoodTalkRadio.com, the simulcast. We're going to be ending the show. If you want to hear the rest of the show, uh, the rest of the live program, uh, just go over to YouTube or check out SayWhatYouWillRadio.com. But if you're listening to Good Talk Radio, thanks for listening and take care. All right, guys, we're back. Jennifer Myers makes a good... Yeah, no, uh, just uh, in the aspect of the participation trophy, which is interesting because I think I can... Uh, bring to light a certain aspect of it because I grew up in the, in I guess the when it first started right in the nineties late nineties so I was a nerd and I was in chess club right so I went to a tournament I didn't do terrible but I didn't do that great and at the end of it like I didn't even play third place but I still got a trophy right which is hilarious to me because when like I don't even excuse me, I don't even have that trophy anymore. Right. So when I was playing the game of chess, we were locked in a grid. It, it was gridlock. It was like the last three pieces on the board on each side. It was a good match. The guy beat me, and at the end of it, I didn't even play third place. I might have been in the top ten, but that was like middle school in chess club. And, you know, say what you want, nerd aspect, of, you know, I was, I was trying to do some smart shit, you know, smart motherfuckers play chess. I like, yeah, I like <laughs> right. chess. My father kind of gave me a chess board when I was very young and I just was infatuated with, with chess, but I wasn't all that good because I didn't go into memorizing the patterns and, and all the kind of whatever Q6 f8 no, i didn't try to remember any of that crap anyway um yeah i i got beat and i didn't play top three so why the fuck was i getting a trophy and i thought that to myself mm-hmm. when i was a routine holding this trophy like why did i get this and i think some kids 
are starting to think that to themselves. Like, I didn't place this stuff. Like, I didn't earn this. Like, why am I holding some BS trophy in my hand right now? Right. I think that some kids are realizing, like, no, I need to do better. And no, I didn't earn this trophy. This is just something to appease. The trophy doesn't replace the feeling of winning. Yeah. That's you right. know what exactly. I think? And that's, yeah. that's the bigger picture because it's appeasement. And that's yeah, like the verbiage yeah. I could use. Or it, it, the, it, it, that's the perfect word, Rex. That's the perfect word, appeasement. Because when you settle for appeasement, when you settle for the little plastic participation trophy, your quality of your experience is degraded. You don't get the metal right. trophy with the marble stand, right? And you see that. Right. And it, exactly. You, you, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. But I think it, it, it depends on the child, whether it's like, yo, you didn't even place top three, but you're still getting a trophy. Are they happy with that trophy or they're saying, you chuck your shit in the garbage real quick? Because I think some kids are saying, oh, my God, I got a trophy. And they came in like, what, 15, 20th place? Yeah, it was stupid. You know, it's a lot like of those these... kids that overvalue a piece of plastic. A lot of the kids were received, they started receiving trophies for participation when they were just, I mean, you know, little league dudes, you know, so they didn't realize because they were, they, they didn't, they didn't get it. They, they didn't live a part of their life where they didn't get a trophy. Everything they did, yeah, they yeah. were told that they were special. They were told, uh, you know, that, uh, and, no matter what they wanted to do, they could do it. And, you know, I don't, and that you know, led don't to the entitlement that led to the entitlement generation, the exactly. generation that feels they're owed a college education that they don't have to pay for. And then they don't even have to really study for tests because they're entitled to grades that they have not earned. That is exactly. The, that and that's huge. not only are they entitled to the grades, uh, but they're entitled to know that their opinions and anything that they believed was oh fact. And there was no, you know, if anybody, and that's exactly, and that's why they couldn't even uh, have a discussion or debate. The minute you disagree with someone, you're a racist. You're this, you're that, you know, they have a, they have a code word or a buzzword ready for whatever you disagree with them about. They will tag you in a negative way because they've been programmed that way. But the younger generations, Rex, and this is a really good point. I'm glad you brought this up. The younger generations are seeing through that. And they're calling them out. They're like, yeah, we don't want to be those people. Yeah. And I, I hope that it's, it's people. Yeah. yeah. I hope it's people like Greta Thunberg and watching her throw a screaming fit in front of the UN, the climate summit about and yelling at adults, yelling at people of power about destroying her future. Destroying Greta, dream. Yeah. Yeah. And Greta, you're not even, you're not even old enough to uh, like you know, write a check. So um, it probably doesn't know what a check is to drive a car. So at least in the United States, so what future have we destroyed? You have your whole life in front of you. And if you think you don't have control of your destiny, then you're you're going to victimhood. It's horrible. So that's interesting to me that Ty just said that because, uh, I mean, I don't don't mean to go into a segue. Ty just brought something into my mind. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody else saw it. So the Democrats want to listen to all the little kids and Greta Thunberg when it comes to climate change. But didn't we see a couple of years ago on camera 
where a couple of kids were talking to Diane Feinstein about something else. And she was like, oh, you're little kids. I mean, we're not going <laughs> to listen to you on this. All right. If anybody remembers the topic. I well, don't recall yeah. that, but I remember it. Uh, I don't remember it vividly, but I kind of, I remember, hey, but that's, Hitler, that happens all the time. The Hitler youth I, only I think, works. I don't recall exactly. I don't recall exactly, but I think it was on the basis of the second amendment, which mm. would, uh, that's where I don't think I have it right is because I mean, Diane Feinstein is, uh, you know, she's hardcore anti-gun. So if a bunch of little 13 year olds were talking about, you know, being anti-gun, I'm sure she would jump right on it. But yeah, there was, there was a situation where Diane Feinstein was caught on camera telling basically all these little kids to, you know, you're, you're too young. You don't know what you're talking about. When it comes to climate change, oh, we need to listen to you. We need to listen to the youth. We need to listen to all these teenagers that basically have no idea what the, they're talking about. No, exactly. Yeah. And that's the liberal MO because, yes. listen, they, they say they're about the kids until the kids are conservative, right? And then it, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Oh, they say man. they're about women. They, you know, we're the party of women until the woman is a strong conservative like Carrie Lake here in Arizona. Now the media is just trying to pummel her because she's so popular. So it's not about the women and it's not about the kids. They, they say they're for the homosexuals until someone like uh that uh what's his name i can't remember his name but he came out he was a conservative and he came he was doing a bunch of speaking he had milo to, yeah milo and oh, that's he went straight yeah he did go straight but that was that was uh after he got pummeled by the media in fact antifa mm. showed up somewhere he was going to speak at uh, berkeley or something like that and antifa oh, showed yeah. up and and uh, bashed all the windows in and they they yeah they were, they canceled him they canceled them because they wouldn't let them speak. So they're not really about the gays. They're not about the women. They're not about the kids. They say that they're for uh, the blacks until someone like Candace Owens starts talking. Then they tell her to shut up. Right. See, that's what's it's very a, interesting. That's a, I, I question the timing because I don't know about Milo anymore. You know, God willing, God bless if Milo is going straight and being gay was not really him. And all the extra stuff that he's been doing because i've been catching it on gab a lot lately i mean uh you know uh well gab is whatever the uh the freedom of speech social media network mm -hmm. and there is an lgbt group on there and legit homophobes have totally overrun it and one of the people actually used milo against me which is um, you know, your sexuality is demonic, whatever. I'm going to hell. I'm going to burn them like a fire, this, that, and the third. And when I encounter people like that, I'm just like, okay, good for Milo. You know, I'm, I'm glad he's finding his way. If he's happier like that, that's great. So it's like, you got to try to separate. Well, I think there are people that are, that are truly gay. And I think there are people that think they're gay. Right. And Milo probably yeah. thought he was gay. And there, there are men who think they're women. There are women who think they're men. And uh, they later in life, they change. They're like, yeah, that was kind of yeah. just a thing I went through. Absolutely. You know? And yeah. uh, so I, I don't begrudge anybody. I mean, it could be another interesting segue because there's a lot of detransitioning going on. 
within the trans community. There's a lot of teenagers that are like, oh, I was born a male, but I'm a woman. Wait, no, no, never mind. Yeah, and there a lot of them are upset with their parents because yeah. their parents allowed them to do it. They're like, what were you yeah, thinking? So Why did you even in, let in them the do media, this? And the media oh, is actively silencing those people. The media is shutting those people up and shutting them down. Because once again, why they don't follow the narrative that they want to communicate. They're not wearing the badge. They're not promoting the narrative that they want. And they're just running people over from a political and first amendment standpoint and are shutting them up because they're, they're not human to them unless they're promoting the right words, the right narrative. Well, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, the Democrats are the party for the trans community until you're Caitlyn Jenner and then they hate you. So it's, it, yeah. it's not about who you are. It's about what you That's believe. Right. And it's always been that way with the democratic party. They try to claim that they are the champions for all these small factions, but it's only the small factions that think the way they think. That's what's so interesting about it is that. America is supposed to be a united front. And it was so interesting uh, over the weekend that this kind of idea or this thought popped into my head. Or I was, I was uh, you know, side note, I was working security for a hotel and I met some new people, some new coworkers, they're pretty cool guys. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of these coworkers mentioned the potluck that he went to and it was a bunch of culmination, right, of black people, white people, uh, Jamaican, Spanish, uh, Indian, and they had a potluck. And it just so happens that 4th of July is coming around, and I thought to myself, what is, what is America? What is the 4th of July? Because I, um, I actually wanted to do a live on my own channel, like, what is the 4th of July? What is America? Who is America? You know, how are we America or American? Mm-hmm. And the best way that I could, we are a fucking potluck. Sorry to uh <laughs> No, you're fine. But you're fine. He, like, this is a white Irish guy who was in a potluck and there was all these multicultural people coming together with their own food and their own culture. And (laughs) excuse me, sorry about that. He's Irish, right? So to him, pepper is a spice. And he said that to myself, like he said that to me, like, bro, for me, pepper is a spice. Like I can't handle spicy food at all. So he loved it. He had some like Jamaican jerk chicken. He had some like Puerto Rican rice and beans, like all the spice. And he's like, yo, I loved every second of it, but I was sweating from under my eyes. My whole face was sweating and everybody was asking, are you okay? Are you okay? That I can relate to. hilarious to to me. I was like, yo, America is like a one giant potluck. We all come together. We share our culture. We share our food. And we all kind of, we all unite under the American flag. So America is one giant freaking potluck. I love it. I love it. In fact, you know, um, being an American too is also a mindset to me. I believe that if you are, uh, if you're, over in uh, China and you're protesting communism and you're waving the American flag, you're just as American as anybody else. 
because exactly. it's a mindset. That's what's so annoying to me, though, because when I see a uh, like a communist or an anti-fascist or some asshole that wants to burn the American flag, like it's still to me, well, you're still American whether you like it or not. Yeah, you but- can go anywhere else in the world, like these Olympic, like this Olympic chick, uh, would bury something. Yeah, uh, she turned her back on the flag. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You're still American, like wherever you go in the world. I'm sorry, but they see you as American, and they they're just laughing at you that you're gonna shit on your own country and your own flag. Yeah, absolutely. You're not. And it's all it's all based on a lie. It's all based on a lie, and and you're saying the exact same thing that we've been saying for for decades. You know, call we are a great big pot lock. You know, used to be the United States was called the melting pot, right? We all come together as different ingredients and we melt together and make the United States of America the greatest country in the world. My great grandparents, my great grandmother, um, who who spoke spoke broken English, would not have missed a Fourth of July parade. You know, she would never have missed, you know, a Fourth of July parade, a Fourth of July celebration. She spoke broken English. Uh, She came over from Italy, and you know that culture, that that generation, and a couple generations after, they knew the opportunity, they knew the blessing they had been given to either come here or be born here. And they knew it was individual responsibility to make the best of it. Today, this generation and that athlete, that, that woman that turned her back on the American flag, they're living a lie. They've well, because lies. Yeah. they've yeah. never had yeah. to struggle. That generation never had to struggle. My generation was over fighting in the war. Okay, over in Afghanistan and uh, in Iraq and a few years younger. But... These these young millennials, what have they done? They they've uh, lived and, and in I, a country where yeah. wealth is. Let, let me finish. Wealth wealth yeah. is overwhelming. Every single freaking bit of information and facts and knowledge is right in the in their palm. And let's face it, poverty in this country is. I mean, you want to say poverty is you know, but. People haven't seen real poverty until they've actually been to a, a country where there's true poverty. When you're walking yeah. around with a, a $1,000 Apple iPhone and yeah. you've got your nails done and you're wearing expensive clothes and you're paying with your groceries with food stamps, that's not poverty, folks. That's cheating the system. And there are and a lot of people that are cheating the system in this country and uh, it's just frustrating as hell because this generation that was given all the trophies and all this type of crap, they've never had, they've never had a hard moment in their life to even try to show any type yeah. of adversity. There's no adversity yeah. whatsoever. Exactly. And exactly. And you know, I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe with this whole coronavirus, maybe that's caused a little bit of adver- adversity because. Yeah. You know, because uh, people had to sit at home on their couches and that's how they respond to it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but notice how society has responded to coronavirus, which is you know what? Um, okay, government, give me six hundred, nine hundred dollars a week, and exactly. I'm not going to go to work. And now nobody wants to go back to work, and companies are struggling to hire people. And what demographic is that though? Is that the older people, the middle aged, or the younger? Yeah. 
like, who is it that exactly does not want to work? And I, I think it's the younger people um, to some extent. Maybe it's these disenfranchised, uh, misled youth that went to college. They went and got some nonsensical degree that has no job opportunities. There's nowhere to go. Now they're in debt. And, oh, by the way, yeah, Biden is not going to bail you out. He totally <laughs> abandoned that one. <laughs> hey, I owe angry conservative an apology. Uh, he says, uh, I'm a millennial, and I have friends who died because of the war in the Middle East. And you know what? I, You're right. I apologize for that. Uh, I th- that, was, that was an ignorant statement that I made because we still have boys and girls over in the Middle East right now. Even though the oh, media yeah. doesn't talk about it, uh, we still have people over there getting killed and putting their life on the line for this country. So uh, I apologize for that. And John, if you, if you key into the spirit of what you were saying outside of, outside of that comment, I have recently seen some social media videos that really punctuate the point when these, when liberals are out protesting, when they're out saying that they, we need to tax the 1%, we need to destroy the 1%. um, Mm -hmm. You know, and then someone turned around and said, hey, you realize you're the one percent. They're like, what are you talking about? Well, globally, globally, if you're even if you're on government subsidies, you are in the one percent. You are making more than ninety nine percent of the rest of the world. So therefore, you are the problem. You are the problem. (laughs) You're eating. You are consuming more resources than you're putting in and you're you're consuming more energy than you're putting in. And these people just kind of get like you're in the headlights and because sure. they've been living because why because they've been living a lie they think and AOC has punctuated this so well by saying that this generation has never known prosperity she is nuts and she should know better because her grandmother was living in swallow after the, well, after the hurricane right AOC oh yeah AOC well. said it about uh three months four months six months ago she said, this generation has never known prosperity. What are you talking about? I, you know, it's crazy. I stopped listening to her because when she's, when she talks, I literally, I literally get dumber. So I can't, I can't <laughs> listen to her anymore. But, but that's the narrative yeah, that these kids are believing. No, it's absolutely stupid. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're walking around in their, you know, their $150 jeans. When I was 12 years old, I was buying my own clothes. Right. I was buying my own clothes and they weren't hundred or fifty or twenty-five dollar jeans. You know, and these kids are walking around $150 jeans saying how oppressed they are, how how unfortunate and how disadvantaged they are. It is it's they're living a lie. And I honestly, and I, I know when I say this, some people probably shudder, but it is going to take an actual um, you know, major event of some sort, natural disaster, whatever. To wake people up to where they actually have to go into survival mode, where they have to actually like, okay, we can't afford these handouts anymore. You're actually going to have to work for your food or you're actually going to have to farm your own food. If we don't have some kind of reset like that, they'll, they will continue to push this lie and this narrative. Some kind yeah. of big reset happens. Suddenly when, when, the, when the people prioritize actual life, getting food, getting clothing, when that becomes the priority, then the the reality will be reset. The perspectives will be aligned with what reality is. Agreed. I mean, there's always the the pendulum 
you know, in this country. I thought uh, the pendulum was going to swing further to the right under Trump than it did. I mean, it it went it went right, but man, oh man, uh, I thought uh, we had another four years, and uh, now the pendulum has gone. Just I don't even it's on the clock anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think Trump is going to run again. I think he's going to play a different route. I think he might go for vice president or he'll endorse another candidate and maybe go local or state not local not local but state like maybe a governor or mayor i think well it wouldn't be interesting if uh ron desantis ran for president and then trump ran for governor of florida (laughs) i don't know if he'd want to take a step down you know i don't know if he would want to do that but i think He's clearly uh, the the face of the Republican Party, and if you're not on Team Trump, man, you got a, a target on your back. So people, yep, the sooner exactly. the Republicans wake up to that fact, like Liz Cheney and all these other clowns uh, that knit, um, yeah. you know, nitwit Romney. I'm offended up you called Utah. Liz Cheney a Republican. That's very offensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, but that's yeah. what's interesting because I think maybe if the Santos has enough support, right? then maybe it could be a DeSantis Trump or like how you said before, a Candace and Trump. I think Mm. Candace might actually have a legitimate shot. Yeah. Maybe I think a Candace would be a great vice president. I don't think she's uh, ready. No, I mean, Candace president. Yeah. I I don't think think she would though. Female. She's black. Yeah. He could probably sway a lot of people. And depending on if she gets the limelight or not, because we're not talking about no third party type stuff. She'll get Mm -hmm. the floor. Well, I would like to see her get uh, maybe four or eight years under her belt as a VP and uh, really get a feel for the executive role and then roll in and then run. I don't even think she'll need that. I don't even think she'll need a VP. I think she'll go straight for the top. I don't know because she, she doesn't have it, like, as much as I love Candace and as much as I respect her her intelligence and her uh, and her you know political acumen, she doesn't have political experience. And going from a a political analyst really? and uh, I don't know what you would call okay. her um, influencer. Okay, well, uh, let me ask you a question: Did you vote yeah. Trump in twenty sixteen? But that's Did different. Trump have any political experience? That's different because he had extreme Trump, amount of you know, business. In, he had business experience. He'd run. There, yeah, there's a different executive. Okay. I'm not so talking. Let, let me Candace. tell you something. I'm not talking down Candace. I love Candace. I think she would make oh, yeah. a wonderful VP. Not only that, but we have to think longevity, right? If she goes straight for the top, she's got eight years. That's it. If she goes for VP, she's in there for potentially four years as a VP and then eight years as a president. And that's one thing the, 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 the okay. Republican party has failed time and time again. They put these old white guys in as VPs and there's no, there's no um, continuation plan. If you put a young energetic Candace Owens in the VP role, she has got a political future for the next 24 to 50 years as a leader. But you've got it. You've got to plan that out. You've got to play chess. You've got to be able to see two, three moves ahead. Yeah, and we failed. In that. I think Candace yeah. Owens on, on the, the ticket. Uh, Candace Owens on the ticket under a DeSantis or um, 
whoever the you know the the president. I, I think that's just a that's a powerhouse ticket, man. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see DeSantis and Owens. And I, I, I would like to see think, the the reason. No, I don't think Trump's going to run again. I think DeSantis runs, and I think DeSantis is an eight-year guy. And think about this. If DeSantis actually chose Candace Owens to run, you've got 16 years of conservatism coming. That's what I'm saying right there. That's it. That's a that's that's an entire generation of people. And that yeah. that swings the pendulum back to somewhat normalcy. We can get off of planet insanity, planet crazy, and yeah. come back to planet Earth. So hey, hey John, do me a favor. I'm gonna can I go back to the previous topic about People complaining about being poor on their thousand dollar iPhones. Yeah, please. Can you look? Can you look up Maslow's hierarchy of needs? This is what I was trying to tell you last week, and I couldn't get the, the terminology up. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I, I want to make a point of this. If you can bring up the picture of his hierarchy of needs, I want to punctuate a point with that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll describe right it. As you look forward, I'll, I'll describe it. Um, so basically, it's a pyramid. It looks like a food pyramid, but it's a pyramid of needs, of human needs. Physiological needs is the basis. Common, basic, everyday needs, food, water, warmth, uh, rest. Then it's safety needs, security and safety, belongingness and love needs, esteem needs. And the very top is self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. So a huge problem with our society today and these kids that or these young adults, whatever, that are running rampant, screaming in people's faces and living this victimhood mentality because victim victimhood is the new currency. The problem is there are five layers to this pyramid and all four of the base layers are being provided for them. If you have to work for need number one, physiological needs, food, water, warmth, and rest, if you have to work for that, if you, there you go. Uh, if the, the one I'm looking at has a little more definition, but that's it. If you have to work for physiological needs, safety needs, if you have to work for those, if you have to invest, you're going to have a better grounded sense of, of, uh, you know, work ethic of who you are, of contributing to society. When everything up to esteem, i.e., the participation trophy, when everything, all four levels are given to you in the form of whether it's government checks or you're living in your parents' basement, getting free schooling, although you maybe not have earned it, uh, you're, you're screaming for your right to safety, whatever the case may be. When all four of those layers become provided for you with no effort, the top point becomes your God. Self-accusation becomes your God. Defining who you are, your this random crazy stuff that in World War II, I guarantee you, there wasn't one soldier that was worried about his pronouns or her pronouns. They were probably worried about physiological needs, safety, and some sense of belonging to their unit in their country. I'm pretty sure they were not worried about self-actualization. And this is what I was trying to get at earlier. I, I had to look it up because I kept forgetting exactly the terminology we have given them the first four layers and they're living in the they're living in the top of the pyramid looking down their ivory towers on everyone else that has worked and died and fought work fought and died whatever 
for mm -hmm. their safety, to make their lives, quote, better, more enriched with things and false achievements. Until yeah, we get you, to the point where we have to fight for those four layers or work for those four layers, where people actually have to invest to get those four layers, it, this is where we're stuck. Right. And, you know, if you took that person at the top that was given all four of those layers on their own and you put them out on their own, they can't survive. Yeah, bingo. They, yes, yes. They don't know how to get their own food. They don't know how uh, to make their own money. They don't they don't know how to become strong people to to provide safety for themselves. They're constantly reliant on other people and everyone else has given them everything. So now there are these enlightened people, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's pretty fantastic. I'm glad you mentioned that to me. That's uh, I'm, I made sure with that with the wife, actually. So, hey, uh, John, that came right from my education from The Ohio State University. Uh, it may be the only thing I remember. It may be the only thing I learned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there you go. Huh. <laughs> Wow. Well, yeah. So that was, that's pretty awesome. Rex, are you still on the line, buddy? I think he took another I think call. He was getting another call. Yeah. He said something about getting another call. All right. I, I'm just disconnecting the phone there. All right. And then, and uh, then I yeah. went on a way with you. So, you, you know, no, that's okay. That's cool. All right. So, um, so I want to read a little bit more. I want to read some of these uh, com or quotes by this person, this April Baker Bell of Michigan State University, who is uh, saying that we are assaulting the black language. Uh, she said this. It's apparent that anti-blackness that is used to diminish black language. Now, listen, this stuff is being taught to your kids. If your kids are in public school. Anywhere in the country, this crap is being taught and force-fed to your kids. So get involved in your uh, your school board meetings and put an end to this garbage and make sure that you know exactly what your kids are learning. Look at their homework. Look through the handouts that they're getting. Go through the books that they're being given to read. Know what your kids are learning. So she says, it's apparent that anti-blackness that is used to diminish black language of black students in classrooms is not separate from the rampant and deliberate anti-black racism and violence inflicted upon black people in society. So she is saying basically that teachers who expect everybody in the class to be able to use proper grammar is basically no different than someone who is inflicting uh, racism and violence upon black people in society. She's saying that that's the same equivalence. Okay. This again, this is what your kids are learning in class. She also said teacher attitudes include assumptions that black students are somehow linguistically, morally, and intellectually inferior because they communicate in black language. That's a direct quote from her. She said, uh, more, uh, let's see what she said. Uh, black language is a legitimate language with syntax, grammatical features, phonology, phonology, and semantics. Semantics, I'm sorry. When, but when black people speak AAVE, which is short for African American Vernacular English, no longer, uh, no longer Ebonics. It's now African American Vernacular English. It seem it's seen as unprofessional. And they can be perceived as intellectually inferior for speaking it. 
The sad thing is, and let's all be honest, let's address the, uh, the elephant in the room here. The fact is that our public education systems are so piss poor and so bad in the inner cities that kids just aren't being taught to speak. They're right. not being they're not being taught proper English. And so when they graduate, because they're forced to graduate, they nobody fails anymore. It doesn't make a difference if you can read or write. In fact, in Baltimore, they have 15 public schools in the city of Baltimore. Not one student was able to pass the national testing. Not one. Not one student in that entire god-awful public school system. Not one kid was legitimately educated. So when they walk out of school and they and, and due to equity, they're being welcomed into universities, f just not even prepared. Now we have to accept. So once they go through the university and they're pushed along, right? They're just pushed along through the university as well. Now they get into the real world and now they're telling the CEOs and the people that are hiring people that if you don't hire this uneducated person, because we failed them for the past 12 to 16 years of their life, if you don't hire them, you're the racist. Yeah. And this is the rant I had earlier, right? They are convincing people that dumbing people down and setting this bar extremely low not setting a high standard, not educating people is that's victory. That's the way to go. That's the achievement. It's not. It's not. You know, I, I, I don't know any foreign languages. I'm not good at languages. I've tried several. It, it doesn't work. My brain doesn't work that way. Um, I don't know if that means I'm less intelligent, whatever. But, you know, people that know foreign languages, multiple languages, they can achieve more if they can speak fluently in Russian and Spanish uh, and English and French, there are tons and tons and tons of jobs out there that will hire them because they have that skill set. That, that, that's to be achieved. That's to be sought after. Mm -hmm. We can't even have people coming out of public school systems, including college, like you said, John, speaking proper English. That's racist. That's, that's, this is backwards. We are accepting a lower standard which is going to, it's going to hold these people back. It's she going actually to went on. It is, it is. And, but, but if you're an employer, now you're going to be forced to hire because now, now it's, now it's considered their own language. And what they're saying is they're saying that, uh, white people are actually forcing black Americans to be biracial because they're saying that not they're they're not allowed to speak their own black language in in uh, in the workplace. Now they're forced to speak white. You know, white English. For the so longest forced, time, you buy, for the longest time. Let me major finish. Yeah, go ahead. Bilingualism used to be seen as a good thing if no, you could speak you more than one language. So by forcing someone to speak a second language, is that not a positive? Is that that's a reason that a lot of companies will hire you because you speak a second language. This this whole thing is just absurdity. But this is what our kids are being taught, Tyke. Not your kids, yep. thank God, because you homeschool. Yeah. Yep. 
Wow. Well, listen, this was uh, this conversation was fantastic. I didn't even get to uh, half of what I wanted to cover tonight. But, uh, oh, let me, before I let everybody go, I want to show these videos that, because uh, I put a lot of time and effort into these videos. <laughs> but this is a video that uh, the NFL put out. If, if I said in public, Tyke, let's say you and I were hanging out uh, and uh, in a public place, and I said, you know, Tyke, football's gay. And somebody overheard me say that. Do you think I'd be chastised? Yeah. Yes. Right. I'd probably lose my job. It would get back to my employer that I said football was gay and I, I would probably be fired from my job or I would be put through some insensitivity training. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is an actual video that was put out by the NFL today. Check this out. So not only is football gay and lesbian, but they went on with all these adjectives and stuff. And then at the end, they said 40% of uh, uh, people that belong to the uh, the alphabet club, if they have one accepting adult, there's a 40% chance uh, less likely they'll commit suicide. So if you oppose that lifestyle and you don't accept uh, that lifestyle, now it's your fault that they're committing suicide. Yeah. I, and, and by the way, I'm not going to do the math because, yeah, um, I'm good at politics. I'm good at business. I'm not good at math. Uh, transgender, actually, it said transgender. Trans, the transgender community is at least 60% more likely to commit, commit suicide. So I'm not going to do the math of subtracting the 40% from the 60%, but I'm pretty sure we're still going to end up higher than your average, your average person, average uh, population. Yep. Because it's, yeah. So there's still, there's still, a, there's still a psychological issue there. Yep. Now, um, I want to share this last video. <clears throat> and uh, this is by no means an attack or an insult on transgendered folks. But I just want to show you this, this video of this person that just really, really pissed off the Korean community. Okay. Check this out. Hey guys, I just want to take this chance to, um, you know, come out today. Something that's been like on my mind for a long time and I've been very confused about how I identify. I've been very, very confused. And, you know, I've seen a lot of other people online that have come out and been very brave about it and shared their story about how they identify their gender, their pronouns, etc. So, you know, I've taken courage from these incredibly brave um, people and it is Pride Month at the moment. So, you know, I thought this was the best time to do it, um, you know, and add, add a voice, add strength to the LGBTQ plus I community. Um, so I am going to come out today and say that I've been transitioning. I've been very unhappy with who I am deep down um, for the last eight years. And I've, you know, I've had like 18 plastic surgeries now. And I've just had a facelift, um, a brow lift, a temple lift, an eye surgery, a canthoplasty, um, and my teeth done as well. Um, just these are just part of my transition. Um, 
I'm feeling really good. I'm for the first time in my life, I feel beautiful. You know, I'm looking in the mirror and I love the way I look and uh, feel happy. Um, and I hope people can respect my decision. It's a very tough decision to come out this way. Um, but I am coming out as non-binary. Um, I don't feel I identify as male or female. I just feel like I'm just in the middle. Um, and my pronouns are they, them, Korean, Jimin, because I know a lot of people don't understand me, but I do identify as Korean and I do look Korean now. I do feel Korean. I don't identify as British. So please don't, um, refer to me, any media or anyone online as British because I, I, yeah. So a lot of Korean folks are pretty pissed off now because he went and had some, or they went. I don't, see, it's hard to keep up with this, but uh, apparently they went out and got some plastic surgery in the amount of 18 plastic surgeries. So I'm sure uh, this person had a rough life, right? To be able to go in and just uh, drop uh, who knows how much for 18 plastic surgeries to get done. And uh, one of their goals of they was to get squinty eyes, make their eyes a little squinty so that uh, they could refer to themselves as Korean. Well, that pissed a lot of people off because, I mean, I get it. I get it. I mean, this person is clearly, clearly uh, messed up. And you know, out, it, yeah, go ahead. I, I don't even know what I, I don't even know how to talk about it. Yeah, this is you know, the whole time we're talking. I'm shaking my head. It's so absurd. But what we've done is completely accepted. We're, we're accepting as a culture that complete and total degradation of actual identity, of, of real identity. And, and I can go the biblical route and say the God-given identity, the God-given genetics, God-given uh, place that you've been put in this world, etc. Or I could just go with the basic common sense definition of we have, we have minimized what it means to be a woman to just – having physical attributes, not being a mother, not carrying a child, not having a uterus, not, not having estrogen and hormones and emotions and quite frankly, women's intuition. We've minimized it to a physical appearance. This, right. this person just completely minimized a culture to a very racially charged statement. I mean, he, he in a physical statement of, I am Korean because I look Korean. Mm -hmm. you, you might need you, but you can't call me English. I, I hope this person actually knows Korean and has spent some time in Korea and, and feels connected somehow because e even that would be insane, but at least there would well, be some kind of basis, right? There'd be some yeah, kind they, of, they go on and say that they spent time in uh, Korea. They uh, said they speak Korean, although they didn't you know, prove it online yeah and, and uh, okay, i'm gonna say it this is bullshit i mean this is just i'm sorry i, I don't usually go this far this is bullshit because i, I pride myself in i i used to this was uh, when i was in ohio state i studied political science and i didn't want to study, study u.s politics because i thought it was boring I, I studied international politics and i took portuguese and it, it put me in contact with a lot of people from a lot of different cultures I loved learning about different cultures. I loved finding things I liked about those cultures, whether it was food, whether it was how they treated their elders, they respected the family, how they dealt with government, their, their different government 
uh, you know, systems. I, I was always fascinated with different religions, different cultures, different societies. And what are these people doing? They're completely invalidating that we do have differences. And, th and you know, it's going completely 180. What they used to say, differences are okay. Well, now they're not. Everybody needs to be the same. And you could just become Korean now. Well, that's the insane part sure. of it, Tyke. It, it is absurd. It's insane that you can just, because you think inside you're Korean, so therefore you're Korean, and then you want to go through 18 plastic surgeries to become Korean. I mean, when when are we going to say enough is enough? When are we going to say, you know what, dude? Listen, I'm going to prescribe you this medicine, okay? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask that you take it twice a day. So uh, about two years ago, before COVID, so not, not quite two years ago, um, you know, I do, I do a lot of uh, just when I'm on the treadmill at the gym, there's a whole bank of TV. So I'll watch stuff that I would never, ever watch. And there's a show on botched plastic surgeries. I think it's just called botched. And it's all about these plastic surgeries that are botched. Mm -hmm. And so many times when I'd be on the treadmill and that show happened to be on, the two doctors who obviously are just in it for fame and money, no, no ethics at all. They would actually start. There were some people they would draw a line. They'd stop and say, look, you've had five, you've had seven, you have 10 plastic surgeries. You're addicted to plastic surgery. You need to get help. Right. We can't, we can't do another surgery on you. One, your body can't handle it. Two, you need to identify what it is in you that you are you're dissatisfied with emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and you need to get help with that. These two guys that are complete and total, you know, opportunist, opportunistic doctors using their trade to get wealthy on people's misery. Um, they actually even had a line. This person has had 18 plastic surgeries and nobody has stopped and said, Hey, there might be a deeper issue here. Maybe we need to address the core issue, the inside issue, the spiritual, the emotional, the psychological issue. Right. Because because it's not culturally appropriate anymore. We can't help people anymore. It's not appropriate. No, no. By by saying someone like by if I was to say, dude, first of all, you're a dude. Okay. So get over it. Second of all, you're as white as the day is long. Oh, hold on a second. All right. Hey, go ahead, Rex. Hey, yeah. Sorry about that. I, I had a call on the other line that I had to take. I'm assuming it was your bookie, either your bookie or your mom. Uh, <laughs> a little too late for my mom, but yeah, no, nah, oh, I don't sorry. got no bookie problem. There's a coworker <laughs> trying to uh, get some new guys into the security company. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, work, I guess work is a little important, so. But go ahead. Yeah, definitely, right? I mean, that's the difference between conservatives and progressives. <laughs> or libertarians and progressives. We work for ourselves. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we were actually talking about that earlier. Tyke brought up this pyramid thing right there. So if you work for your physiological stuff, you work for your food, you work for your, I don't know, I don't know what the bed here is going on, but, uh, you know, if you work for your safety, if you work for your love belonging then uh, your, your self-actualization will actually be real. But if everything is handed to you, that self-actualization is as phony as, well. I mean, that's where I kind of try to ask myself is like, where did we go wrong 
as a society, not even a country or a government, where do we go wrong as a society where we've gotten so far to where people think that they deserve stuff for nothing? It's like if you look at the, the spectrum, people used to grow their own food, used to have their own transportation, a freaking a horse and a buggy, whatever you can muster. Bingo. To the point right. where, no, the government owes me everything. They need to pay my food, my life, my nails, my hair, um, like everything. My college degree. There you go. Yeah. And that's where it's just, um, I'm, I'm trying to, I've been questioning a lot. And that's what, that's what I like about my mentality is I question everything, even about the conservative side as well. Yeah. And you should. And, and that's where I think a lot of people have forgotten. It's, it's right. the government has us or society exactly where they want us. They have us relying on them. And I'm not saying anything astronomically profound. Everybody, most people that are listening right now will realize, well, yeah, I mean, people just want shit for free and they're relying on the government for everything, not only essential services. Right. I think what, uh, what we need to do, and this is what we, we need to start reeducating our kids, but I think we need to introduce our kids and ourselves first, obviously we need to, we need to learn this stuff, but we really need to get into the minds of the founding fathers. We need to get into the minds of those who built this country, because if you can understand those people and you can really grasp what they did when they when they developed this country not just writing the, the 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 constitution that's obviously a huge part of it but everything that they did to make the united states happen if you can get into the minds of these people then when you hear a politician talk or you hear a teacher talk or an educator whatever anybody you hear a youtuber talk you hear the media talk you'll know if they're right or if they have the best interest of this country in mind, because you'll understand why this country was built. The thing with that is I think, um, in my opinion, anyway, we have a lot of people and I don't, I don't know what percentage to give you. I can't really give you a percentage, but I think we have too many people that don't even, they don't even question that stuff. They, uh, for lack of a better word, sheep, you know, yeah. it's, they're yep. stuck in this dichotomy or this mind frame of, oh, the government will protect me. The government will keep me safe because that's what they promise. Uh-huh. They're promising yeah. they're paying me safe. Oh, get the guns off the street. Yeah, it's a great idea. Of course, I'm not going to question that. Of course, I want to get the guns off the street, but they're not actually seeing like, no, that's not possible. Right. It's, it's an, like for just uh, an example, or I would say, you know, as a sidebar, you're never going to get the off the street. It, it, it's not possible. And that's what I see with this person who's running Eric Adams, who's running for governor of New York. And I saw the commercial and this lady is like, oh, yeah, uh, Eric Adams, he's going to get the guns off the street. Like, how hopelessly ignorant are you to think that any 
politician is going to get the guns off the street. Not what only world are you living in? Yeah, not only can you not get the guns off the street, especially the uh, the illegal guns off the street, and it's never going to happen. But well, let me ask you: nor I mean, should what's you. an illegal gun? Nor what is an illegal gun. Yeah, well, that's so exactly let, what I'm saying. You know, the, yeah, let's so, tool, yeah. an inanimate object. Yeah, not yeah, only can you not do it, that. you shouldn't do it. Yeah, let, let's tap into that real quick. What is an illegal gun? And back up a little bit from that. The ATF, the, the F part, the firearms part of the ATF, is fully and totally unconstitutional. It Mine is said it's an the illegal. AFT. Yeah, it, 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 it is the. Too. <laughs> what's that? It's illegal to own cannons. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, go ahead. Biden, what a... So let, let's talk about that. So this is an excellent example. I'm sure there was a deliberate misreading and misinterpretation and trampling of the Constitution when he said that. But there are so many people that just believe it. They say, they say oh, the ATF is about to... Um, you know, it's about to outlaw arm braces for pistols, AR pistols. It's about to do this. It's about to pass this regulation and, and, and this and that and regulate how the guns. That is all unconstitutional illegal activity that we have accepted for decades. And we have a whole generation of people that don't realize the whole Second Amendment is about limiting the government, not limiting the people. And then you have Joe Biden getting up there. And saying that from the beginning, the Second Amendment eliminated limited who could have guns and what guns they could have. No one was allowed to buy cannons. Joe Biden, have you heard about the War of 1812? Because it was privateers, private frigates, private ships armed with cannons that saved the American Navy. Because our Navy was not built up at that point, And they Listen, depended on private Biden citizens. doesn't know what happened yesterday, Tyke. Let alone okay, 1812. Yeah. Okay. So, so then his puppet masters are deliberately spreading false information. And, and, and people, unfortunately, people are just going to say, oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, you want to limit my bump stock? You want to take away my bump stock? You want to take away my pistol brace? Well, I, okay, okay, at least I got to keep my gun. No, they're violating your rights. The, the <laughs> F and the ATF shouldn't even be there. It is a violation of the Constitution. Well, same with the alcohol and tobacco part, too. Yeah. What's that? I said even the alcohol and tobacco part too. I mean, alcohol is legal. Firearms are legal, right? Tobacco so, so is legal. I can't, make the, I can't make the argument for alcohol and tobacco simply because it's not guaranteed in the Constitution. I think it's stupid and silly. But I think alcohol is in the Constitution when they tried to ban it and then they reversed it. Oh, oh well, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously they did. Obviously, prohibition was was abolished, but. Right. How, but, the, but was the regulation? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a scholar either. I think it's but different than a second. I think it's a little different than the Second Amendment. I don't think I, we need let's a get national rid of the F and ATF, force. and we'll, we'll go after the other two. Let's get rid of the firearms regulations, and then we'll go after the other two with our completely legal cannons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you come after me, you're going to need a nuke because I got nukes. There come on, go. man. Hey, listen, well, I'm, I'm going to cut it. Uh, it's been two hours and I'm exhausted. I got to get to bed. Don't forget about my F-15. Yeah, that's right. The uh, the F-15s, right? Yeah. So I'm going to put my runway on my fucking roof. I'm going to park my F-15 right there. <laughs> uh, hey, you just need a Harrier jump jet. A Harrier jump jet takes up yeah. ver takes off vertically. They're perfect. <laughs> so, hey, hey, John, I want to 
I want to apologize to our our uh, everybody today. Just I can't do the camera because I couldn't do the camera today because my internet is country internet and it's flaky today. You yeah, know, we got okay. a little rain today, and little rain means Century Link can't keep up. I don't know why, but a little rain always hey, bothers. You got to make so. your own internet company out there, bro. There you go, cornerstone. Right. I'm, I'm I am waiting for Elon Musk to send me his box. I, I signed up for Skylink. So, hey, nice. Elon, if you're listening, I, I need my box. <laughs> we get that 800 megabyte. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Hey, I got Cox uh, Gigablast over here. I'm Gigablasting. So, you, yeah, you, you all better look out. Yeah. 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 Everything's been working pretty good after I raised hell with Cox for two months. <laughs> All right. Hey, Rex, I'm going to let you go, buddy. Have a great night, okay? All right, bro. All right. Definitely back. It was a good time. Thank you, Tyke. I appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah, you got it, Absolutely. man. Call in any time, brother. Anytime. Definitely. Will do. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Of course, that was Logic Rex. Love to have him on the show. He's always uh, bringing a different perspective. You know, he's got that libertarian, that hardcore libertarian perspective, and I like it. Uh, tech, uh, Tyke, I'm going to let you go as well, my friend. All right. Thank you. Have a great evening. Everybody have a great week. Hey, I will, I will be traveling next week. I will not be available. Okay. So everybody go out and celebrate the fourth. Let's make America great again with fireworks and big bangs and American flags on every piece of piece of clothing you have on. God bless America. Exactly right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, uh, have fun traveling and, and be safe out there. Hopefully it's for fun, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh yep. It, it, it'll be fun. It is a baseball tournament that we're likely not going to do well in, but it is a baseball tournament very close to the beach. So, yes, That's we all right. You'll still get a trophy, so don't worry about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. All right. Good night, all right. Take care, man. All right. Well, that was Tyke, and uh, Rex was on the line, and uh, we had a, a surprise caller, too. Um, let me uh, – uh, her name is uh, – Geez, I'm having a mental block, folks. You know, when you get old, it's what happens. Uh, but uh, she, oh, Autumn. Oh, yeah, it was Autumn. And uh, I want to thank her for calling in. Everybody in the chat room, you guys had me freaking cracking up today. Cracking up. Liberal Bear, don't don't call in. I got to end the show, buddy. <laughs> I can't. I just can't do it right now. I got to get to bed. So uh, anyway, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for uh, being here today. And uh, like I said, the chat room had me cracking up the whole the gender fluid animals <laughs> oh man what's this world coming to anyway be nice to one another uh, god bless you all and i will see you uh, along with tom wednesday night we'll see you wednesday take care